Hey guys, if you want updates on our latest episodes, then be sure to subscribe to the Film Colossus podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, if you'd like to support the show and hear episodes ad-free, then subscribe to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmcolossus. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. My name is Travis Bean. My name is Chris Lambert. Welcome to Film Colossus. Your guide to movies. Fast and Furious Guide to Movies. <laughs> to Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious Guide to Fast and Furious. Look at that. Look at that. Mm. Yeah. We should be talking at a thousand miles an hour and really like yelling at each other the whole time. Yeah. We are talking about Fast and Furious. Oh my God, Travis, are you excited to talk about Fast and Furious? Except I'm going to talk like Dom, which means I, stalk, I talk at a slow, steady, uh, monotonous volume. Okay. that's And I mentioned mm. family every roughly two and a half third word <laughs> beautiful perfect i love it so in the span of like saying 20 words i would say the word family five times family yeah family family you know it's just it's a thing that naturally comes up it's organic when adults are having conversations with each other especially about the world ending they talk it about is family. goddamn organic that's right <laughs> I don't even. I don't like your, your, uh, your condescending tone there. It's organic as fuck. <laughs> I I wasn't doing anything. You know, I wasn't doing anything. Uh, did you ever think we'd be doing this podcast? Uh not really. Because like we've kind of focused on the movies on our site <laughs> that get a lot of hits um, that people are like talking about. We've never really ventured off and just talked about, and we've also covered like new movies in theaters, but we've never just ventured off and talked about movies we like, um, and or, or at least movies I like. Uh, <laughs> I am a bona fide Fast and Furious fan. I have been for a while now. I wasn't exactly there from the beginning, but ever since Fast Five, like it's one of the crucial components of my life, <laughs> which is a very sad thing to say, but might be accurate. Um, so yeah, this is, uh, this is different territory. Yeah, it, it, it is. And it's something that we haven't necessarily shared. Like we've shared so much in the 12 years that we've been like talking about movies and working together. But one of the disconnects has been, uh, your like love of the Fast and Furious franchise and my utter indifference yeah, uh, it's not something that we've often ever been able to really talk about or discuss. I don't know. It's I don't think it's any different than you watching like the animated Batman series and me being like, why would I ever watch that? <laughs> but I have made you watch it. <laughs> you you made me watch the movie, of course. But there there's so much more material out there. Yeah, but it's just I feel like I like the animated Batman series. 
but I, I guess it's maybe closer to, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something that I love as much as you love the, the Lion King. <laughs> yeah, but you've you've seen it. I guess know? I've seen it, but I could give two shits about it. Yeah, but I hadn't even watched most of the franchise until very recently. Yeah, you're right. I don't know if there is anything similar then besides like Don DeLillo. <laughs> one day i'll get you to read underworld and cosmopolis i mean at some point i'm gonna have a lot of free times in my hands like i might as well yeah yeah when we're 45 50 60 i'm thinking like 80 but yeah okay <laughs> if i live that long uh well then i'll bury you with a copy of i hope book. when i'm 80 these movies are still coming out that would be <laughs> insane i hope so too i mean is it that crazy to believe like they won't be they, I, yeah i mean at this point they have existed for um, over 50 percent of my life so and they've consistently come out every two years for a while now that is true they, they had like some spottiness between like one and four or one and five yeah there was like a gap Maybe it was between three and four. And then, of course, there was the COVID gap. So, like, it added a year. So, like, that's where the two years, the two missing years come in. But other than that, between 20, 2001 and 2023, every two years. Crazy. Well, so we're going to do this whole discussion about the, the series. It's not going to be one episode. No. I no. As much as I love the Fast and Furious franchise, I don't even think I can handle that. So we'll see how much of each movie we'll talk about per episode. So this is definitely like the beginning of the Fast and Furious series on the Film Colossus podcast. Knowing us, I don't think this will happen, but knowing us, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being a 10 episode series <laughs> or maybe even like a 13 episode series. Right. I, like we I talk about, we spend two episodes on eight or something like that. We might spend eight episodes on eight. <laughs> That's a great move. Each movie gets the amount of episodes it is. I would it be. Could you just imagine? That's like a whole podcast in and of itself. Yeah, that's the way to go. Uh, well, so Fast and Furious, the franchise. Yep. When did you get into it? What was the first movie you watched of it? Uh, I do believe I went to theaters to watch Fast Five. Um, and that was back when it might have been covered on how did this get made? Like, I don't know if I went to see it in theaters because of that, but there was like a moment happening when Fast Five came out where everybody was like kind of agree, like this movie's nuts. It defies the laws of like logic, space, time, whatever. And it's doing things no movies have ever done. And on top of that, like it was critically beloved. Like I had like a... 80% on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. Um, so I think I was just caught up in the midst of all that was went to see it. Um, I don't know if at the time I even like, I'm sure I liked it. I guess I don't really remember. Um, but I remember, I think, being annoyed by some of it. But <laughs> uh, but early on, though, that in that period, I would say around 2011, um, a couple years after that, I moved to... No, that would have been actually, that's right when I was living in Champagne. So it wasn't long after that, that I got involved with a friend group that all loved Fast Five. And like, I kind of became part of like this, I guess it's not really a cult because- like, Family? Yeah. 
<laughs> I was gonna say like the the fast movies don't necessarily have a cult. I feel like cults implies like a smaller niche of people, but this is these are like giant movies that people all over the world love. But there was a cult like fandom about these movies and the friend group I was a part of. And it was fun. Yeah, family. Um, so it was fun to get together and like watch these movies. So we were going back through and watching them all with certain people. And we would talk about like how ridiculous they were and like how much they talked about family, blah, blah, blah. Um, and ever since then, it's just been, it's only built from there. Like Fast and Furious 6, like by the time that came out, I was fully on board with like what it was doing. And from then on, it was just a two year wait for the next movie. Just pure anticipation <laughs> so between five and six you watched like one through four for sure yeah and then watch five i'm sure like multiple times with everybody oh yeah i've seen five so many times okay <laughs> <laughs> um and then so five was the first one you saw in theaters do you remember like people talking about the originals when they came out well, you know what? I will say that I had definitely seen. Okay, the you're making me recall memories I completely forgot about. I you're welcome. Had seen the first two movies for sure before Fast Five. Oh, so you but, lied to everybody. You lied yeah, to me. You lied well, to our audience. The reason I say this is because movies I saw before college, like I don't even count as movies I watched. Almost <laughs> like I was, you know, I was just kind of like. I, I wasn't as discerning then like movies I hated. Like I can't even think of like what reasons I would have had for hating them anymore back then. But I do remember not liking the first and second movies. And I have a very specific memory of watching too fast, too furious at my grandma's house. Um, Cause I, I think we would go to blockbuster before we would head out to my grandma's and we'd grab like a few movies and you know, you throw one on at the end of the night. And I just remember thinking it was such a stupid movie. <laughs> wow. How far you've come. I know. I'm sorry, John Singleton. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's uh, My introductory to it was the original film. Um, I saw it in theaters nice. in 2001 because you know, Canal Fulton, Ohio, there wasn't much to do. So we we're going to the movies a lot. But back then, it was before I had a license. So it would have just been getting like dropped off at the movie theater. Hmm. Um, I still remember like the trailers for it and it feeling like a different kind of movie and the excitement about it kind of like, Oh, did you see it? Like arriving at, so it came out, uh, June of 2001 in my first year of high school it was like started August of 2001. So there was just something about fast and furious and seeing it that felt like part of entering that high school world mm. so it's weirdly like a coming of age movie to me just in terms of the fact that i was like growing up and starting to like care about cars and like had never thought about like street racing and <laughs> all of that it was so close to getting my driver's license too uh that seeing a movie like that i also remember like that freshman year so many kids because i was on the the soccer team when the movie came out and there were kids on the team that had their license and ones that were like waiting to get their first car, you know, get their temps yep. and everybody talking about like, Oh yeah, I'm going to get like neons of my car, you know? And I don't know, maybe I'll get NOS. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'll like, get NOS. 
such stupid like i haven't decided yet whether i'm gonna get nos yeah you know we'll see if i need it for the the mean streets of canal fulton when we drag race <laughs> uh, but that was like a whole thing uh that was going on and then i even like my first car that i got a couple years later was this like older used firebird but i wonder how much kind of like fast and furious and fast and, or too fast too furious kind of you know had me a little inspired in that way you're making me realize that part of the reason i probably didn't really care for these movies is i've just never ever not even for a second of my life gotten in the car culture like i don't know anything about cars I don't ever want to know anything about cars. I want other people to fix my cars, buy my cars, take care of my cars. <laughs> like I, I have a hard time just driving my car. If I don't have to drive, that's a good day in my book. Um, so <laughs> that that's definitely that, that never created an in for me, you know. Oh yeah, I I've always really liked driving. Uh, always felt kind of like good at it. So there was something kind of to the movies, which I mean. I hadn't even driven at that point. So maybe yeah. there was like, you were learning to drive just, watching that movie. Yeah. Appealing to it of like, Oh yeah, this is how I drive. Yeah. You know, you go mm. fast, you go furious. I, I will say about the fast and furious movie though. Um, the fast and the furious that it wasn't until even after I got into the movies after fast five, like I still don't think I liked the fast and the furious that much. Like I probably had changed my tune and didn't think it was terrible anymore. But in my mind, it was nowhere near Fast Five. Over the years, whenever a new Fast movie comes out, I do a Fast marathon, uh, usually with my wife. We both are fans of the movie. And slowly and steadily, the Fast and, Fur and the Furious has become my absolute favorite Fast film. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. So. I get that. I see that as there's something. We'll talk about it, obviously, but like it's just funny that it went from probably the one I regarded the least to the one that's most essential to me. It's lovely. You, you love to see a classic remain a classic. Yeah. The, between that and Fast Five, though, I think are the top two. Yeah, I was gonna say, when do we when do we rank them? Do we wait for the whole series to be over? Do we tell people our rankings now and then talk about it and see if anything changes? Uh, we can rank them right now. It, it, it might change throughout. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, it I, won't I have for me, my, but I have my uh, <laughs> I have mine ready to go. Uh, why don't you go first? Okay. So number one for me, and 
this might be surprising for a lot of people. Fast or no? Are we starting at the bottom? Uh, yeah. Start at the bottom. That's a good idea. Start at the bottom. Okay, then the very bottom for me is Fast Nine. Okay, F nine. Go on. F nine. F nine. Do you have the next one? Oh, oh, oh! oh it's my turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I like. I forgot that that was something we could do. Okay, bottom for me <laughs> is the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Tokyo Drift. Ooh, insane. And I would say, like, by far and last, like, there's a big gap. By far and last, yes. really. Not even that. I don't even think it's a bad movie, but there's a significant difference between that one and the next one. Maybe this will be the no. It won't be the biggest point of contention. Um, I have on my rankings. See, this is interesting because I just watched all of these movies over the last two weeks, and the I have Furious Seven on my rankings as like the next worst one. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I think I hated Fate of the Furious more. But I think it might have been doing a little bit more that was at least admirable so that's why uh-huh. i ranked it just one spot higher okay but furious seven then fate of the furious is my next two all right so my next two would be f9 then fast and furious the fourth one okay yeah that's uh fast and furious is definitely next on my list i'm trying to see oh yeah it's one spot up so it's like <laughs> 108, 107, 106 are all the three yeah. fast movies. I'm doing this all in my head and like trying to make sure I don't like forget any movies. So the next one for me would be Furious 7. Okay. I have Tokyo Drift next. And I got to say from this point on, like I I really like Furious 7 and Fast and Furious. Uh, like I think they're great. For, from this point on, in my mind, these are all like superb nearly perfect movies so number six for me is fast and furious six or no 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 no. i'm sorry i'm sorry too fast too furious is next okay you got too fast too furious at number six okay and then my six was tokyo drift which tokyo drift to me is the first one that's like decent (sighs) um everything below that i'm pretty angry at (laughs) okay and then the next one for me is Fast and Furious 6. Okay, yeah. My number five is Fast 5. Then my number five would be... Am I forgetting the movie? No, I think oh, you no. just did Fast 6. So the, is that right? We kind of inverted because I restated my number six. So you went ahead of me on that one. Oh, okay. So so I'm on I'm on number five, correct? Number four. Oh gosh. Okay, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this was a this was a great approach to this. Okay, so number four for me is the fate of the furious. Okay. Yeah, that's your number. Okay, so that okay that dropped down one. Um, number four for me is too fast, too furious. Okay, and then number three for me is Fast X. Uh, number three for me is Fast and Furious Six. Number two for me is Fast Five. Uh, number two for me is The Fast and the Furious. And number one is The Fast and the Furious. Number one for me is Fast X. Wow, Fast X is number one. Yeah. Wow, what a tease. You're going to have to wait three episodes to hear about that. 
I know. Wow, we do it right. <laughs> right? You get a you get to get the big debate about Fast Eight or Fate of the Furious in I, multiple episodes, and then find out why I love Fast X. I'm sitting much. here like I was a part of this, and I'm conf- I don't even remember what your rankings were anymore. Like it was so confusing the way we did it in the back and forth that happened <laughs> that like it's going to be a surprise to me as we go which ones you like and don't like. Yeah, it gets kind of bobbled. Um, I essentially like like the earlier ones have an issue with everything between like seven, eight, and nine. Yeah, four, seven, eight, and nine I think are bad, and then bad. Uh, yeah, bad. Okay, I'm sorry, Travis. I'm sorry. I am interested to hear a single bad thing about any of those movies, but okay. <laughs> Rope bridges, Travis. Nope, I want to hear a single thing that's bad about them. I'm going Rope that far. Rope bridges. Rope bridges. Well, let's talk about the first one. We all like that one. Yeah, yeah. Let's start with one. That's a good place to start. It's, uh, it's uh, to me, it's like a perfect movie. Like, it's absolutely perfect. It's so charming. It's, it's, it's kind of a, it's it's funny everyone's made this comparison but like you know in fast five and fast six they're saving the world they're fighting global terrorists but in the first movie they're stealing dvd vcr combo players <laughs> from semi-trucks like that's kind of why i love this movie because it the reason i like it increases more because the stakes go so much higher in the later movies it really highlights how the stakes kind of are that high in the first movie like these are people trying to make their mark on the world trying to just get by really like they they might be millionaires from fast five on but like they're barely getting by in the first movie they're running an auto repair shop and so it gives the movie kind of like a sense of delicacy but at the same time like there's urgency there it's a really strange mix that. I just find intoxicating whenever I watch it. I'm just so absorbed by it. Well, it's, it's normal. Like it's, yeah, <laughs> it has people that you kind of know, like people you went to school with or people that you could imagine rather than the, the superheroes that we get in the yeah. later films that it's so like over the top doing like outrageous things, which there's like very much an appeal to that, but there's something so grounded in this first movie where it feels like anybody getting behind the wheel of a car and driving and just happens to be like young, dumb, good at it. Yeah. Like a little daring. There's some things that like, Oh, I wouldn't try that, but you can almost put yourself in their shoes in a way that makes it fun to kind of have that vicarious experience of being in this world, like, the street racing, like you've heard about it, you've kind of seen it, and now you're getting to kind of peek behind the curtain. Yeah. Like everybody's kind of like charming, attractive, dynamic. <laughs> like <laughs> it, it feels of the era. It reminds me of like the film equivalent of the OC sure. and some of the appeal of like season one and two of the OC. Um, That's fair. But then, you know, you have twists. Like, Brian's not just a guy trying to eat bad sandwiches to date a girl. He's uh, an FBI agent. Like, sure is. 
I kind of forgot about that. Totally. <laughs> when I started rewatching them, because the last one I saw in theaters was Fast Five. Uh, I hadn't watched a Fast and Furious movie since then. So what it had been twelve years since I last watched a Fast and Furious movie. Right. Um, I didn't remember five all that well. So restarting number one and coming back to you know seeing the characters and being like oh yeah brian was just a guy and i was like oh no he's an undercover (laughs) he's a a police detective this is a sting um and i liked kind of the the noble criminal aspect for dom yeah um the fact that through brian's eyes we get this like look at dom dom's really the protagonist even though brian's the main character dom's Um, running the show yeah like we're supposed to be charmed by him like vin diesel's really like getting these bigger moments and scenes they're setting him up uh it's cool like there's a little bit of that mythology already being built in a minor way um and then the the action sequences like the style of this movie that rob cohen brought to it was really fun like it it looks like a movie, which is like a weird thing to say, but what did Compared I just Compared to like Fast Five, <laughs> <laughs> which is like it's otherworldly. Like it's, it's got such a gigantic budget where the Fast and the Furious, it, it's it's almost like it's not independent, but it feels like people just got together to make a movie, you know, like there's a sense of worksmanship to it. There are these like swashes of color. There's this like the way like the sun bathes people like uh, at a street race. Like there's just so much attention and care given to like the look of it and capturing this setting like this, this group in L.A. It's just so unique to this. It's one thing that I love the most about this movie that I don't think any of the other movies can match is that aesthetic. Like it's so unique and of its own in a way that none of the other movies have really matched. Yeah. No, it it really has that vibe to it. That art auteur yes. vibe that feels almost I know this is like kind of a strange comparison, but almost in the vein of a James Cameron movie without the <laughs> the blockbustery <laughs> aspects to I like it. That. But there's just something that feels I just watched the hulu white men can't jump and so much of that movie (laughs) looked like a commercial to me yeah it was shot very much like a commercial (laughs) and just the the cameras that are used the look of it to where when i'm watching these scenes in the fast and the furious it just reminded me of what movies looked like in the late 90s early 2000s that was my Maybe that was just a moment in time for cinema as a whole. And of course, it's going yeah. to change as technology changes. But that was right in the period when I was growing up and what I thought all movies looked like. Totally. Um, so there's something just kind of great about the the texture of this movie. Yeah, I, I do agree. Although I think some filmmakers were doing it a lot better. Like I'm not going to be able to think of anyone on top of my head, but john stockwell comes to mind like he made he made into the blue movie everyone hates uh like crazy beautiful uh i feel like those kinds of movies have 
this look in terms of color, but also beyond just like the color and the 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 look like it's there's a movement to this movie like there the the way the camera moves it's just so dynamic and feels so in sync with the characters and it all feels feels so purposeful in a way that again isn't really matched by most movies today but not even really many of the movies in the fast franchise i think like like specifically thinking about f9 like to me that's a very stagnant movie a lot of the times where like this movie it feels like the characters are racing to keep up with the camera, you know, as life is passing them die by, like, that's part of the aesthetic. There's something just that works so well about that. It is invigorating about that. When there's also, whenever they use the Nas, it does kind of that <laughs> almost anime, like going through the car ignition, Love which it. was kind of, kind of big then as CGI totally. was just starting to really come into its own. It, it reminded me of the, the opening credit sequence of fight club you kind of have yeah. the the cgi of going through the brain and it was kind of like that like oh we're gonna do this cool thing where we're going through like the car and coming out as i mean the ignition happens it's so effective they're still doing it in fast x well but that to was like thing. an nth degree yeah like, i thought the way that they did it in two was still good, but then it kind of falls off or when totally. it's used, it feels almost not even derivative, but like, it's just going through the motions of like, these are what these movies do. Yeah. And it wasn't until fast X when they finally did it at the end there that I was just like, Oh my God. Yeah, yes. It's next like, level. Yes. That was such a great, moment and payoff and callback to where it had energy for the first time in like seven movies <laughs> yeah um there are a couple other things you said that i want to touch on which is like we get to know all the people in these movies and again one of the one of my absolute joys of life is being a fan of these movies and you get to learn about these people more and more as the movies go on. And so revisiting this movie, like is even more of a treat, like every time I do it, because like you've learned so much more about all these people, like you've seen the nascent, you could see the nascent version of Dom <laughs> and what he looked like. He's so different in this movie than he is by fast X, you know, yeah. like he's seen more, he's like met more people. He's gone, undergone all these changes and to always come back and see him here, like you can totally see how he eventually became that person. It just makes this movie all the more watchable to me. Yeah, there's still that kind of wounded animal yeah. aspect to him rather than the leader of a family aspect. Yeah. Um, he was the leader of kind of a, a crew. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then past that, like the growth Brian has, I mean, Brian has a lot of growth, like as a father and stuff from fast five on, but I think his growth between one, two and four is like so interesting. This person who went from cop, he, he's torn between being like a cop and a criminal and like trying to find his identity and trying to find, he's become part of this group as somebody who's never really had a family. Like he suddenly does like all of that energy to me is so interesting and played so well and played perfectly by Paul Walker, who's a fucking star in these movies. Yeah, I'll I want to that would be a good transition into two because sure. I think that's the most interesting part of two. But I do want to say for in terms of just like slight criticisms, if we're doing like a, I don't want to hear any 
a negative portion. I think my biggest criticism of Fast and Furious would be that it kind of leaves... You mean the fourth movie or this movie? The Fast and the Furious. The Fast and the Furious, okay. This one, one. (laughs) My biggest criticism of one is that there are just a few, which I don't think this would bother you in any way, shape, or form. It definitely doesn't because nothing bothers me about this movie, but go on. (laughs) Uh, Some of the open like plot threads that they never really give any closure on like you know vince and brian's a big thing it's resolved and, later in fast yeah, five yeah but we don't know that at the time when the you fast know it now just came out i do but <laughs> when they made this movie i don't think they're like oh they four knew. movies from now they knew. uh so that was something that i was i was just like oh yeah like brian saves I... vince's life and we never really get any like, I... closure on it or the Who's the kind of the antagonist in this? Johnny Tran. Johnny Tran, yeah. Guy's yeah, great. Johnny Johnny Tran guns down Jesse. Oh, I love that. And guy. we don't really get any closure or payoff on that aside from them taking out the biker guys. It's mm-hmm. not like we know that they go and arrest Johnny Tran. Does Vin try to get revenge on Johnny Tran? Like it's just kind of this thing that happens without any follow-up to mm-hmm. it and then kind of the same thing with like him letting dom go you're just kind of like well then what what happens there's just like a few a few things throughout where i'm just like well what happens like, this the- this is important that you're saying this chris because it, 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 i knew this discussion would happen eventually maybe on this podcast and maybe we've even discussed it on the podcast but especially in relation to these movies uh just I think the differences, the like maybe philosophical differences we have about <laughs> what movies should be doing and everything you're saying, like if the movie did resolve those threads, it's less interesting to me. Um, or uh, maybe it's maybe if it's done well, like maybe that could be interesting, but I don't necessarily think it makes the movie more interesting or better or more sound or anything. I think unresolved things like that, like a general air left open between two people, like that's part of watching movies to me. Like that's the air of like being part of a movie and things being ambiguous and not perfectly resolved. Like I like that all those dynamics are left between the group at the end because it it makes the group feel more alive and more real. I agree to a degree. And like I can get on board with it. I think the issue that comes up for me is as the story goes, the thing that I think the franchise does really well, typically is being aware of these moments and finding ways to address them in future films in some capacity. Like you're saying with Brian and Vince, like we finally get that. Yeah. Uh, The movies are really good at callbacks and trying to, be like, you know what? This was an interesting like moment. Let's expand on this in the next film. Sure. Um, so I do like that they use that. And it's something that as I've seen them do that, I've had more faith and like less criticism about that. Um, but there are some things like never really addressing like it makes the lack of them ever addressing like Johnny Chan and Jesse in future movies like kind of stand out a little bit to me. Um, I don't know what that has to do with the the group dynamic though. Like what that has to do with why you're there and what you're consumed by. 
because I mean, if I'm buying into how important they feel the group is to them and like, oh, Jesse was one of our like we grew up with him. We loved him. And then to never mention him again, never note him again, never like did they get revenge on Johnny Tran? He could still come back. Do they just let him go? It feels like a not like a plot hole by any means, but just like a logic gap in the sense of if they care as much as they say they care, why did these elements completely like fall off? Yeah, I guess if I it, it that's one way to think about it. Like you've done this, this, and this, and this with these people. Like why didn't you do it with this person? Like you could think of it that way. But again, I'm just going with what the movie gives me. Like, if they choose to go back and address something and give importance to something, like, that's something I see and I get invested in. Like, I I feel like this is just the difference between you and I in general and watching movies. Like, I don't, I really think about a movie in that way of, like, going back and thinking, like, oh, you should have done this or that. Like, I'm more thinking about, like, what it is giving me and kind of reacting to it and, and asking myself, like, is it doing this well? So... I know what you mean, but I'm just like, it's everything you're saying. Like, it's just, it's washing over me. Like none of that really matters to me. <laughs> matters to me. But yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> I, like, I don't think it's something where I would say it's bad because it's not doing these things. Right. Like clearly there's a way of looking at it. And I think maybe it's kind of like a difference between like with short stories, they often talk about it being like a slice of life and you don't need full closure. You're just kind of getting a window and a peak. Yeah. And I think there are people that really like short stories for that reason. And then there are people that really like novels because the novel, you kind of get like the whole scope and things are answered and yada yada. And I tend to be more of the the novel approach than the short story approach, which is something that's come up a lot with the... Mm-hmm the finale to succession <laughs> it's very much a a short story kind of person finale rather than a novel person finale yeah so if anybody in the future is wondering when this episode came out it was the weeks the finale of succession happened yes that week <laughs> momentous week no, yeah we'll never forget it i mean in this week mazel ended succession yep. ended ted lasso ended and barry ended yeah, four shows that have kind of dominated the last five yeah. years. And four shows I'd never watched a single episode of. <laughs> Missing out. Um, uh, I'd rather but, just watch the Fast and Furious movies again. It, talking about that continuity, like that continuity between one and two, like I really loved how Too Fast, Too Furious elaborated on Brian's character and really put into context why he felt so attached to Roman or not yeah. Roman to Dom through Roman, like by the introduction of Roman and Roman's backstory and being like, yeah, Roman went to jail and blamed Paul or Paul blamed, blamed Brian because <laughs> Brian was a cop and Brian even in some capacity blames himself for not being able to do anything for Roman when he and Roman were best friends. So by helping Dom, he was kind of in some ways, trying to make amends to Roman totally and Roman finding that out is the thing that kind of softens him to Brian. I thought that was like such great world building mm. and character development in a way that a lot of sequels tend not to do. Yeah. It, and it's one thing like 
totally everything you're saying on paper like that's perfect but the the true like power of this movie is the way that is all dragged out and slowly seated throughout the movie like roman isn't cool with brian until like pretty much near the end of the movie like they have to go through with a lot with each other before like they finally like dab at the end and like all right man like let's go like finish this mission it the 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 slow build of their relationship and their hostility towards each other the disagreements they've had the just all of the terrain they had to cover to come back to being buddies like it you real that's what i realized i think this last viewing i had of too fast too furious which by the way i love this movie and I think I've liked it more and more every time I've watched it. This last one, I realized like the whole aesthetic of this movie is friendship. It is about two people learning to be friends again. That is the journey of the movie. Everything else that happens like doesn't even feel <laughs> important. Like it feels inconsequential compared to the, these two people finally coming back together. And for that energy to be infused into the rest of the movies, like when Roman comes back, like that's part of the movies. Like that's part of why these movies work so well. Yeah, it's it's very well done and the fact that the story is in service kind of to this relationship redevelopment is cool it's that nice blend of uh kind of like theme and story to where them being on this mission is kind of a uh, MacGuffin to just brian finding like redemption and discovering who he is and having that decision between am i fbi yeah. am i like true to who i was as a kid because we find out in this that he was just kind of like a kid racing getting into some like issues and he ended up going the route of being a cop but he's having a little bit of this identity crisis that we saw in the first movie and we saw how free he felt when he was with dom and dom's crew and we're seeing even more of that freedom and expression come out in this movie, which gives it like a really fun, joyful energy, especially like the exchanges between Paul or Brian and Roman. Yeah. I, mm. it, and all of that, again, like that's part of the aesthetic that is ends up being part of the energy and look of the movie that John Singleton really captures. Like that sense of urgency on brian's part to like kind of find out who he is and like where he fits the the tension-filled dynamic inherently between brian and roman the 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 fear the of death of the just the danger that comes with the mission they undertake and this mission is really like it kind of is a defamiliarization of like them learning to become friends again like all of this turmoil they have to go through all these people they have to battle like this demon that's kind of looming over them that they have to defeat and the only way they can defeat them is by like learning to be friends again like all of that is part of the energy of this movie and it's just it's packaged in this like out of control nas filled like just absolutely insane aesthetic that is so much different than the first movie like the first one even though there are all these like car racing scenes and we go inside the engine and all that stuff like too fast too furious to me is is like way more out of control and more in line with like the fast five formula almost where the camera's moving so much and we're getting so much color and we're meeting so many different kinds of people like it's it almost feels like a cartoon sometimes 
And that energy, again, is part of just how urgent this movie feels and in resolving all of these threads at the same time. And it all and everything coalescing at the end, like the ending is just so perfect with them, like crashing that boat. Like it's goofy as fuck, but like it's also perfect and fun. Just it, it just feels like every step this movie's making totally fits with what it's selling and what it's trying to do. Um, which is the reason critics hated it back then. It had a 36% of Rotten Tomatoes. Like they looked at all that and thought it was goofy and cartoonish when really like it was just being authentic. Like it was just truly committed to what it was doing. It, I mean, I appreciated too the performances from both Eva Mendez and kind of the yeah. will she is she or is she not good or bad? Like was she playing the fbi or and had gone on the side of uh what's the bad guy's name oh gosh i don't even remember anymore uh carter verone oh i love the names in these movies yeah so was monica on carter's side and had double crossed or was she still being true because roman's suspicious that she had turned right and brian's just like no she didn't so there's a little bit of the the mystery element with that that's I found added like a nice through line and tension. I thought Carter Verone was like a cool villain. Uh, <laughs> He's great. He, he brought like a good energy to things. Like I thought he was believable. I was interested in everything he was saying and doing was on screen. I forgot that this was the movie that had <laughs> the rat in the pot. Oh yeah. My least favorite scene, maybe in this entire series. Really? How come? I just don't want to look at it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I uh, I used to read fantasy books a lot in high school. I started in middle school, but I was reading, like, all these fantasy series from uh-huh. uh, Wheel of Time to, the, like, the Game of Thrones I was reading in high school. Uh-huh. Uh, and nobody, people thought it was weird and goofy. Um, but there was one series, the Sword of Truth series, that one of the villains at one point did the whole rat in the rat in the bucket thing mm-hmm. uh, rat in the pot. And in that series, it's a little more like R rated. So the rats actually like chew through the person and it's this whole descriptive scene of that happening. And I remember seeing it on screen and being like, did the screenwriter read sort of truth? <laughs> like, is this, right. is this something that happened? Um, but it's so much more tame than what happened in the book. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I liked two overall, but it was, you could see some of the, the way in which the first movie was grounded. The second movie was less, uh, interested in totally, and started being like a little more outrageous. So I, I get why critics maybe at that time were a little harsher on it. Because they didn't like the first movie either so did they not like the first one 53 those really? those two movies added together is not 100 percent, which is what both these movies should have gotten <laughs> i mean i get critics being like a little harsh on it but it's fun um you know one thing that i wanted to say about the first movie that i forgot was that i forgot the presence like on-screen presence that michelle rodriguez has Um, she is awesome and i remember in the first movie her kind of becoming like a thing 
because everybody was just like, oh, Michelle Rodriguez, Michelle Rodriguez. She was on magazine covers. She was getting all these roles. Like, she was really pushed in this time. And I feel like by the time she was on Lost, that's kind of the the memory I have of her. I was not necessarily liking what they had her do on Lost. And then I haven't really seen her in anything since then. So I kind of had this weird, like, final impression of Michelle Rodriguez over the last few years. And I think that's maybe my biggest takeaway from watching this franchise, again, is just how great she is. And then watching the Dungeons and Dragons movie, Mm. like, I just finished it before we started this podcast episode Mm. and just how great she is in that movie, too. Yeah, but... To me, that's a case of like she needs good material. I didn't think the material she had was very good in Dungeons and Dragons, which I think she's perfect in these movies. And specifically in the first movie, everybody's everybody's perfect. Like everybody hits their marks. Even Jordana Brewster, who I think has trouble sliding into like the action persona that she gets in like F9, you know, in the Fast and the Furious, she's perfect. Like this kind of not exactly innocent, but somebody who's kind of who has uh, a rebellious streak, but like tries to keep it together, like tries to be the one that like keeps a straight face, but like is attracted to Brian and like what he's bringing. But like also, I don't know, there's just everything about her character and her and Brian's flirtatious relationship. Like it's just perfect. (laughs) I love it. Perfect. How many things are perfect in this? (laughs) I'm losing count. I should have a perfect counter going this whole this whole series we're doing. It's family in the the movies, but it's perfect on the show. And you know what? The theme of family is perfect in these movies. <laughs> um, I think the the thing that I get a little bittersweet on in Too Fast, Too Furious is that I really felt Tyrese's charisma and energy and just like star power in this movie. And I don't think the other films in the franchise give him the same respect that this movie did. He doesn't have the same amount of story, for sure. I think they kind of dumb him down in a lot of ways. And I know what you mean. I I don't like that he's just been reduced to arguing with Tej. Yeah, um, I know what you mean. I, I I kind of agree with you. I wish they had given him more to chew on throughout. Yeah, I don't necessarily like they, think he's not utilized well, but in terms of his character, I do think they could have done more. Like, this was the height of it for me. For sure. I and mean, he's a fucking, uh, again, along with Paul Walker, a fucking star in this movie. Yeah, he's just, like, crushing it, where you're just like, oh, my goodness, if we get, like, Paul Walker, like, Tyrese and Vin Diesel, like, in the next movie, like, all going together, <laughs> how great is that dynamic going to be? And I feel like for the most part, it's just like you get Roman and Tej kind of siloed off right? Uh, from everything else that like Dom is doing. And even though they interact at times and they're clearly like around each other at times, it's just you don't get a lot of the he's kind of become more of a punchline than a character. Yeah, I want to talk more about this, but I feel like it's probably just best to say for fast five so remind me to respond to this <laughs> okay because i don't necessarily think you're wrong especially because if you haven't seen it for anyone out there including chris if you haven't seen baby boy 
it's it's one of the best movies. It's a John Singleton movie and Tyrese in it. I mean, dude should have won a fucking Oscar for that movie. He's so good. Um, so like he has potential. If you give him something to chew on, like he'll deliver. Uh, so in that sense, I do wish he had more. But I I think there's more nuance to the way they're using him. They, they require something different <laughs> from him beyond that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I Yeah. And to um, me, it's that's an aesthetic choice more than a character choice, which I, you know, I grapple with, and I do think there's criticisms of that, but like, there's a reason for it. I don't know if that. I guess I don't know what that means that it's an aesthetic choice because it's part of choice. the energy, the the portrait of this family they're painting, the the entertainment value of the movies, and like what you're getting from the experience. So then they have to kind of just reduce him down to like one dimension. Well, if you think he's one dimensional, sure. I wouldn't go as far to say he's one dimensional. Um, but I think, I think, you know, when you have a movie with that many people and that many storylines going on, like you can't give him the kind of storyline you give him in too fast, too furious. Like he has to bring whatever energy he brings to the movie. And that I, I now we're getting into it. I think that's part of what makes fast five. So great is like, it has, an insane eclectic mix of energy that's hitting you from so many different angles from an entertainment standpoint. You could, we can talk more about like the story and the characters and like whether or not that hurts it. But in my mind, like that's why I'm there. Like I'm here to be entertained. Like I want to be consumed by what's happening to these people. And like what Tyrese brings to those movies is essential to me. Yeah. The, the energy is like, unique especially among the cast i think just by the time we're into especially seven eight nine it starts to get maybe too repetitive for me but in five and six i think it's it's fresh still enough Mm -hmm. and hasn't quite like tipped but especially by the time we're in nine uh i'm just like i think we're on the same page about nine in general but yeah yeah like a caricature i I agree that one of the worst parts of this decision to make him the Joker of the group is that it could wear thin very quickly. And obviously for you, it did. Yeah, that's, that's it. Especially just with how like dynamic he was at the start. Totally. Um, I get that. Yeah. But as you're saying, when the cast gets as extreme as it's gotten, (laughs) we got uh, four Oscar winners in this franchise. Now we got to keep things moving, (laughs) but I guess that's why, like, in hindsight, when they first announced that Fast X was going to be three parts, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> but having watched part one, perfect. it's just like, yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> perfect. I'm glad they gave the space for it, because if they tried to shove everybody into there uh, the way that they did in 789. Yeah. Ugh. Um, well, so we're at the 53 minute mark. It depends how much you want to talk about Tokyo Drift, because I don't have much to say. You don't have much to say? I mean, I guess I do. Everything I'm going to say about Tokyo Drift is just like how much less interesting it is compared to the rest of the movies. How did how was it in your friend group uh, in your fast family? It is generally beloved in my friend group and a lot of and I and I think because it's like a, a bit of an outsider film, it doesn't have any of the same cast members. It's just it's almost like a, a Marvel TV show or something. You're just like, what is this? Um, 
Like, I think a lot of them have latched onto it and feel uh, beholden to it in a way. Like, it's an important part of, like, the universe stretching. And it's nice to have, like, these other characters to latch onto. Um, But I just, even from the very beginning, back when I had shitty taste in movies, like, I never liked it. And to this day, I've just never been able to get into it. Again, don't think it's bad. I think it's well done. I... Justin Lin directed it. He's a good director. I can see what it's doing. It's like a teenage cowboy movie. Like, it's cool in theory, but the stakes of the movie, the energy between people, like everything I look at that I like about the Fast movies, like to me, this just feels like a normal movie. And I don't go to the Fast and Furious to see a normal movie. I go to be fucking blown away. So, interesting. I, hmm. Hmm. So when I first heard of this movie, it was the first one that I didn't see in theaters. And I remember I remember probably not liking Too Fast too much when I saw it in theaters. Yeah, nobody did. Yeah, just thinking like it was a little silly. Um when I wanted something maybe a bit more grounded. Now in hindsight it's one of the most grounded movies in the <laughs> franchise. Yeah. But Tokyo Drift, I was in college. Uh, the cast didn't look exciting. Um, Luke is black? Look, yeah, it looked like it was a like a, a, a C movie, like not even a, a B movie. Um, but I have a one of my best friends. I remember just singing the praises of this movie, and we all used to make fun of him. And he'd be like, have you seen it? I was like, no. He's like, then how are you telling me that it's dumb and I have bad taste? And I was like, well, you also think Revenge of the Sith is the best Star Wars movie. So People still do. I, it's infuriating. <laughs> uh, so I judged I judged his taste based on that. And uh, what's the one where they curve the bullets to? Oh, no, Jumper. Well, Wanted um, is where they curve the bullets. Wanted's where they curve the bullets, but Jumper is the movie I'm thinking of. Like he was also like seeing the praises of Jumper, so it was like the triumvirate of <laughs> Jumper, Tokyo Drift, and Revenge of the Sith being like these three movies that he'd constantly talk about uh-huh. that were just like nah, I don't know. So when we got back from Australia, I made a point to watch. I studied abroad in 2008. Like I made a point to watch this movie, and I remember being like pleasantly surprised. Uh-huh. being like oh actually that was kind of entertaining um i hadn't watched it since so <laughs> like a lot of years yeah and when i was initially watching it i think that there's something in the first three-fourths like up until han dies that i was really invested in everything that it was doing i think the opening scene and opening race was really kind of dynamic the, and exciting. The opening race is maybe the best part of the movie. Yeah, right? Uh, it had some weak parts with some of the, the characters, like what's his face? Sean's relationship with his dad is very like badly done. Um, <laughs> I mean, lo- that, that whole, the approach to that relationship I think is like fittingly muted. Like they don't really have much of a relationship so you don't really see it. Yeah, but then they try to bring it full circle I guess like, so, yeah. we're gonna work on the car together because they end up having the pivot point eventually and we're supposed to buy into it. it's like i don't think you did enough work 
<laughs> to make us believe his dad was gonna change his mind and like help right. out and like yeah um but by the last like three-fourths of the movie i just completely didn't care about yeah. um which was pretty strange i thought it got legitimately dumb in the last 20 minutes and the final race between sean and dk <laughs> went for a long time but there's a lot of drifting there's a lot of drifting there's just absolutely nothing happening you know and, I, I think a big part of this is like look you have justin lynn there we've seen fast five and fast furious six anybody else directed those movies they might not do as good of a job as he did like he he has a way with directing action sequences that it, he brings just such fervor and energy to what's happening naturally. Just the mechanics of the way he's navigating the scene. Like he, he's a master. I think mm. the movies where that's faulted, where you don't really feel that sense of energy is just when the screenplay isn't a sound and you're not as attached to the characters and you're not as attuned to the situation as much. Like to me, that is Tokyo Drift and that is F9. Like those movies just structurally aren't really there in the same way. The energy between the people isn't the same. Um, there's too much like, there's too much talking. <laughs> These movies have no time for talking. There's too much talking. There's too much just like stagnancy. I think when you have that, when that's too prevalent in your movie, it really sucks away some of the energy of these scenes. And I think especially that final race, like that final race only hits if you're really into the rivalry between them and you're really in the Luke's black's journey and you understand the dynamic and the cons in the, you know, the consequences, the stakes and everything. And to me, this movie, like it just kind of lacks in all those areas. Like it's not poorly done, but it's not invigorating like the rest of the series is. So because of that, like, it just doesn't hit the same that final race, no matter who's directing it. Um, uh, to me, the main issue with that final race, even if you care about the characters, is that it's just a lot of the same thing over and over. They're just like drifting on a, a lane. There's nothing. There's no micro narrative throughout it. There's no like story that's being told through right. that race. Totally. It's just them racing. Like you could do a 30 second drag race and it would have been just as exciting as this extended like all the cars almost sliding off a cliff like oh he's gonna get around him he gets around him now he gets around him there's just like even if i think you care a ton about the characters in that moment like is anything happening that you care about in the race yes and i don't think there is where in fast x right you have the the drag race scene and you have dante having dom have to make a choice between the other two drivers who's he going to save and there's that little bit of a micro narrative yeah going on and even with uh you know the original are not too fast too furious when they're doing their uh, like big drive sequence at the end and they're trying to get away from the police and it's the heist you have the two henchmen that are in each of the cars 
with Brian and Roman. Mm. So as everything's going on, you also have this little mini narrative going on between the henchmen and our main characters. And that's a story that's being developed this entire time. And it just adds this other layer to everything that's going on. And the end of Tokyo Drift just completely missing anything in that way. It's just, I think, Justin Lin indulging himself Hmm. in some ways rather than, which is a script thing, as you're saying, but also he's maybe trying to make something out of it. But, you know, I think. I think Justin Lin, he obviously grew as a director. This is still kind of early in his career. We're still five years out from Fast Five, which is, as much as I enjoy Fast and Furious, it's not Fast Five. Fast Five is like extraterrestrial. <laughs> like it's otherworldly what it's doing. For him to get to that point, that's five years down the line. Like he just, he still needed to find it. Like I feel like the Fast movies helped him find it successively from Tokyo Drift to Fast and Furious to Fast Five. Like you see him figuring that out. And I do think the action in Fast Five was a lot better. And I do think it increases in each one. Like Fast and Furious, the I thought still had the same action problems as Tokyo Drift. Yeah, it did, yeah. Um, Fast Five, they start to like piece it together. I think Fast Six was definitely like they achieved lift the off. peak for him. Literally. The what flip huh? They achieved liftoff, literally. Oh yeah. <laughs> Quite literally they lift off. Oh well. Or do they come crashing back down? <laughs> well, eventually they do. Yeah. but Eventually it's just hellfire everywhere. But before that, they achieve liftoff. Yeah. Um, so that, like, I do think he makes his way. It is interesting that he hasn't really gotten to do much in the way of movies after that. He's only directed two movies since then. Yeah, Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek, which I never saw because I hated Into Darkness so much. Yeah agreed i did too so i i haven't seen it either i like that in star trek into darkness they come up with the cure to death <laughs> and it's not a big deal i don't even remember this it uh kirk dies uh-huh. and they manage to use the blood from khan to like bring kirk back from the dead because khan's blood is like some special like blood yeah and bones finds a way to do that and it's like wait are you telling me that you like use this dude's blood to create immortality and you used it once and then we're like all right we're done like should that not be like an entire movie unto itself yeah but anyway i mean justin lynn like he i i think i guess it's the case of any director but like when he has the right script his movie absolutely thrives and he was having a lot of creative differences with Vin Diesel, I know, for Fast X, which is why he dropped out. But oh. it's interesting to look at Fast X. Like, would that movie have been the same if he directed it? Like, obviously, it would have been a different movie. But, like, I just think Louis Leterrier, like, brought a different energy to the franchise that really matched the script he had. I just don't know if... I don't know. I mean, this is me. Who am I to say any of this? This is pure speculation. And I have no idea what it's like to make a movie. But we can see from Justin Lin's franchise history, only two of his five movies are spectacular or just like out of this realm good, in our opinion, anyway. That means three of the movies were like kind of lackluster. It just shows that like this this kind of director, when he has the right script, like he's just incredible. And Tokyo Drift's like just isn't that script. 
No, I, like I thought the the character moments were better than the action moments. Yeah, the story is um, like it's good. Like the characters are okay. Like on paper, you could see an interesting movie being made out of this. Yeah, I I mean, and Han was like a big part of it. Like mm-hmm. I thought he was really he had that aura about him of like that guy's cool. Yeah, Sun Kane, um, that guy's awesome. Yeah, so him coming back, I was I was happy to see, and then but how they bring the, like the explanation. <laughs> He's just, just back. <laughs> That's all you need uh, to know. You know, Mister Nobody's magic. Like yeah. it shows him. It shows him in the car. And then somebody walks in front and then he's gone. And then it shows him standing to the side with Mr. Nobody. And it's like, is the implication that he was never in the car in the first place or that he suddenly snuck out of the car? Chris, we're going to talk about this later, but there's nothing wrong with the way they handled it. It is excessively stupid. It is not. It's perfect. God damn it. (laughs) You just don't get it because of how perfect it is. Uh, I'm blinded to its perfection by its perfection. <laughs> I hate when that happens. Uh, uh, but Louis Leterrier, uh, I like the movie. Like Unleashed was not great, but like pretty cool. Um, I like The Incredible Hulk. Unleashed. I feel like The Incredible Hulk is very you, underrated. You're not even mentioning his best movie. Transporter 2? No, the Transporter movies are good, actually. Clash of the Titans? No, uh, good movie, though. Now you see me. Now you see me. That movie's perfection. Oh yeah, that belongs in the Fast and Furious universe. It's so perfect. (laughs) I mean, it has the same energy as like late Fast and Furious. That's post cinema, my Um, friend. I I remember. Okay, now you see me was enjoyable. It's stupid, but it's enjoyable. It's so bafflingly stupid. But now you see me too is Mm. one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's. Not the. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. I don't think it's anywhere near as good. I think it's watchable and entertaining. The the only problem I have with Now You See Me Too, and I will never forgive the movie for this, is they didn't call it Now You Don't. <laughs> like, what a miss. If you did that, people would go to the theater in droves. Yeah, that is very true. Like, I would buy 10 copies of me, that movie. Now You Don't. That would have been a great title. So like somebody stupid. had to have pitched that, right? Yeah, and some idiot denied it. Mm-mm. I just, I can't get, it's one of those things, it's the same issue I have with fat, like F9, with Now You See Me Too, is that Now You See Me, it was, you could suspend enough disbelief of like, they're magicians, okay. Now You See Me Too, it's like, they're fucking wizards. Oh, totally. And none of it makes sense. There's a magical yep. like society that has like hubs and power all over the world. It's excessive. It's stupid. I get why you love it, Chris. You this don't is even your downfall. It. You need things to make sense. You are watching movies wrong. I don't need them to make sense. I just need them to not be insulting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that's a different story. Uh. But it's the same kind of issue I have with John Wick. Have you watched all the John Wicks? Not the fourth one. And I, the jury's still out on whether I ever will. I've only watched the first two. And I thought the worst part of the first one was the whole, like, assassin society thing. Mm Because it's just, I can get behind there's, like, this incredibly good assassin. (laughs) 
But the moment you start having me try to buy in that there's like this code of assassins and assassins <laughs> everywhere and like hotels throughout the world, I'm like, okay, like I'll accept it. Like it's part of this. Okay. But then in the second movie, they make it such this insane oh yeah, comic booky thing, much in the way that Now You See Me Too did. Where it's just like, there's magicians everywhere and they all can do, like, we can pass a card throughout a room and manipulate it on air currents and mm-hmm. airwaves and do just bananas things. I'm just like, no. Yeah. Like, no. But you're okay if the direction the Fast and Furious moves have gone? After nine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After nine. Oh, uh, yeah. So Tokyo Drift, I, uh, again, I, it's it's almost not even fair for me to talk about Tokyo Drift because, again, a lot of my... If this movie just existed on its own, I, I mean, I'd like it. Like, I don't think it's necessarily, like, a bad movie, but as a Fast and Furious fan who does a Fast and Furious marathon whenever a new Fast and Furious movie comes out, like, this one to me, it just pales in comparison. Like, I can't get excited about it even a little bit. Is it because you don't have a character as, like, epic as Dom? That's a huge part of it. Absolutely. Brian, like, that's None of the characters in in that movie match even, like, the six most important characters in The Fast and the Furious. Like, they don't even come close. Okay. I can see that. It was kind of weak in that way to where I'm kind of enjoying the story, and then Han and DK, I thought, were kind of the most interesting, like, actors, yeah, characters totally. in the film. Um, but then the story, I think, completely falls apart at the end. Oh, and when they are, sh- everybody's watching everything by cell phone recording. When we're talking, like, <laughs> 2005 <Yeah>. cell phones. <laughs> I don't mind that part of the movie, to be honest. It's just excessive to me. Yeah, it, it is excessive, but I, I like when these movies get excessive. Uh, of course, the one thing that I'm like, eh, <laughs> you're like, ah. Yeah, I, I like, I just like little additions of color like that. Like, I this honestly, I'll go as far to say this. The stupider it is, the more I'm likely to like it. That is true. <laughs> like, all of the things that turn people off and be like, oh, that's so stupid. Like, usually that's the moment where I'm like, oh, like, it made a choice there. Like, I like that. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that's why Tokyo Drift isn't, like, your favorite movie because it's <laughs> yeah. the one that's so, like, a- a- atypical to the franchise. But people love Tokyo Drift. Like, I'm looking at Justin Lin's page on Letterboxd, and it lists them in terms of popularity, and Tokyo Drift is number one. Yeah. I it's mean, ahead of Fast Five, F9, Fast and Furious 6. That's nuts. So how people feel about Tokyo Drift to you <laughs> is my reaction to how people now feel about Spider-Man 3. <laughs> sure. I mean, I don't think enough people like Spider-Man 3 that it's having that much of a resurgence, but it is funny to see. I mean, I even like it now. More than zero. I don't is love too it. Many. More than zero is too many. <laughs> More than zero. I, I don't go that far. I think Tokyo Drift has its merits, and I support any Justin Lin adventure. Okay, I want that on the That's record. Good. I think Spider Man Three has no merits, <laughs> and you think Sam Raimi should be uh, banned from Hollywood? 
I don't think it was his fault. Okay, okay. It, that That's probably true. I think he was put in a bad situation and just said, you know what? This is what you get. And kind of had fun with it, kind of tanked I, it. I think that's why I of. like it. Like, I feel Sam Raimi in that movie. Like, he's there. Yeah, he's like, hey, James, smile at the camera with the stupidest shit-eating grin that you can right now. Yeah. Jake. Toby, can you dance? No? Perfect. <laughs> then dance more. Ugh. Okay. That's good. Yeah, we'll come back for the next one. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we went in the Tokyo Drift now because I do feel like it is a demarcation point because at this point we go back to Dom and the rest of the movies really involve this core storyline. Yeah. It's when we pick back up, we pick back up with the franchise getting its footing again. Yeah. I mean, it's the first movie with all these people since the first one. Like it, it's crazy that eight years later, there's a sequel to it. And like, there's this weird middle ground of like, what doesn't feel like a central story to it necessarily. I don't know. It's just the whole trajectory of this franchise is like bizarre. Yeah. And I guess before four, we'll talk a little bit about maybe why Vin Diesel wasn't there. Or at least my impression of why Vin Diesel <laughs> was a part of two or three, even though he's in the post credits for three. Well, I believe it's on record why he wasn't. I, I believe it's been discussed and maybe he's even discussed it. Well, we'll save that for the next episode. All right. What a tease. Yeah. Cliffhangers. Yeah. That's what a, we do here. A cliffhanger now. of something I think is true, but I'm not sure. And I'm going to have to go research. Even better. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just hear a lot about Hollywood lore and like you never question if it's true or not. Like I've heard this so much that I've never questioned. Like, did that actually happen? Yeah. Which is exactly what the Barry finale gets into. Ooh, you wow. should watch Barry. Yeah. I should watch all four seasons tonight. Yeah. It's only 30 minutes per episode. Oh, is and that like, it? eight episodes per season so your your argument to convince me to watch this is it's just 16 hours of television yeah i could watch I eight mean, movies i could watch almost all of the fast and furious franchise by then which you do every two years so you can watch barry <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a game of wits here <laughs> which i'm going to win because i'm never going to watch it ah well <laughs> Love Bill Hader, though. I'm rooting for him. Slamming on the brakes of this race. (laughs) Okay, until next time. See ya.